Have you ever seen some of those really annoying infomercials? I mean, they're all over our television, so I'm assuming and I'm guessing that probably most of us have seen them. And they describe this product that's gonna transform and completely change your life, your way of doing something. And somebody comes on and they explain all the benefits, all the significance of this product and how it will ultimately change your life. But my favorite part of all these infomercials is the ending. You know the line, they say, but wait, there's more. We've saved the best for last. That's kind of the part where you roll your eyes and you change the channel, right? And you know, we've been in the middle of this really important conversation. A conversation where we're talking about how you and I can create a life that really does count, that matters, that has significant impact. And you know what? Like the infomercials, I really believe we saved the best for last. Because I really believe out of all the messages that we have taught in this series, this is the most vital and crucial one. Because when we, when we started this series, we created this goal and actually, The goal was not for you and I to create a life that really matters. You see, the goal as we decided to do this series was that you and I, that we would create a life that matters forever. That we would choose to live a life that matters for all of eternity. And here's what we have to understand. There is a monumentous difference. There is a huge, giant difference between a life that matters here on earth and a life that matters forever. And as we drew up this series, we wanted to create a tension. Maybe you caught on to it. You see, up to this point, here's what we've talked about. We've talked about to create a life that matters, we have to invest in the relationships that mean the most to us, put down our devices, and and really invest in those relationships that are valuable to us. We've talked about investing our resources and living a generous life that impacts others, and we've talked about the battle in our minds to choose to trust rather than worry. And what's interesting about those three things is really anyone can do them. You don't have to have a relationship with Jesus or a connection with God to not worry. I know a lot of people who are far from God who don't worry about tomorrow. I know a lot of people who are far from God who are generous with their finances. I know a lot of people who are far from God who put their phones down and invest in their kids and their families. You see, none of these things, you have to technically have a relationship with God to do. You don't need Jesus to be generous. You don't need him. And so the question that we really have to tackle today is what is the difference between a life that matters here on earth and a life that matters forever? And really when it comes down to it, it it really gets to our source, the source that really drives our motives because your source of life drives your motives and those motives create mentalities that you live by. And what separates a life that matters on earth and a life that matters for all of eternity is the mentality you approach life with. Today, I'm gonna talk about two. Two that the vast majority of our culture and our society take. One creates simply a life that matters and the other creates a life that matters forever. You see, the first mentality is people who look at life and they approach it this way. They say, I'm going to earn this. 
And someone who, who embraces this mentality just kind of goes through life trying to achieve the label of a good person. How can I make good choices that have significant impact on others? How can I be a good person? How in the economy of, of good things can I make sure that my life and the goodness in it always overshadows, always trumps the bad in my life? And people who live this way actually create a significant impact. They will impact people's lives and they will do a lot of good. This mentality can also be very exhausting and can lead to burnout, trying to achieve all of this in your own strength, in your own mentality. But the problem with this mentality, this approach, this perspective on life, is good people don't go to heaven, forgiven people do. Now, see, many of us believe that our goodness, if, if there's enough there, enough evidence of our good, God will notice it. But the problem is, is that's not what the scriptures teaches. In fact, one of the hardest uh, pieces of theology that the apostle Paul teaches is in Romans chapter three. And for us as human beings, this is probably the hardest pill for all of us to swallow, maybe in all the Bible. Romans three says this, it says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And man, you read that and it, it, it kind of strikes a chord in me and I, I would bet it probably does you. Because the Apostle Paul teaches this truth, this theology that when God looks down at, at the human race, he sees no one good. Because of our sin and how wretched of, of people that we all are, no matter how much good we achieve in this life, when God looks at us, he recognizes that there is no one righteous. Now this kind of fights with everything that we believe because in society and in culture, we can honestly look around in our sphere of influence and label, we label people as good people. But the Bible says there is none. Paul teaches that there is none. In fact, a couple of verses later, look what he says. He says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. So what Paul says, he says, no one will be declared good based off of what they do, what they achieve in life. He says, rather through the law, we become conscious of our sin. See, Paul says the, the law, the rules actually reveal to us how wretched and how bad of people we really are. He says because of our sin, how damaging that is, it's created this problem that none of us in God's sight can be made good on our own accord. And man, what's hard to accept about this, this is a hard pill to swallow for us because as we look out in life, we would definitely, I would definitely, you would definitely probably label some people as good. You know, I think of one name that comes to mind that probably all of us, have no, all of us know, all of us have heard the name, especially recently, the name Bill Gates. Bill Gates was the creator of Microsoft. He's a billionaire. He has all the money that you and I could ever dream of having. 
And when you look at Bill Gates' life, I'm going to be honest, I don't agree with everything he does, but he's rich enough where he could have easily in his lifetime bought an island, created a beautiful luxury palace, had every fantasy and every desire that he wanted, his life would have been fine, and he could have just neglected everybody else in the world, just lived his life. I wouldn't have blamed him for it. I might have thought of doing it if I had his money. But Bill Gates has invested millions and billions of dollars to help our communities, to help our country fight diseases that we face. And many many people in our culture and our society would look at his life and they would label him as a good person. And my question for so many of us today as Christ followers, is that really all there is to life? Is that all we're trying to achieve, aim after? Is when we're done with our lives, as we look back and people remember us, they just, they just locate us and they understand that that was a good guy and I did good things. Is that all we're trying to achieve? And I hope as, as a Christ follower, our answer to that question is no. Because as a church, We're not trying to create a moral army of good people that save the world with all our good deeds, but neglect their souls. You see, we would fail as a church if all we wanted to do was create people who lived a moralistic life, who left our our auditoriums, who who left our online streams and our television cast and went out in the world and, and did a lot of good, good things, but yet we neglected the most important thing, which was people's eternities, their souls. In fact, Jesus speaks directly to this in Mark chapter eight, verse 36. He says, what good is it? What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, to gain reputation, to gain all the desires and the fantasies that you want? What good is it for you to capture the entire world and forfeit your soul? And what Jesus does right here in this verse is he puts the priority on things that will last forever things that matter in the eyes of eternity. And what's so convicting and challenging to me when Jesus says that is I spend the majority of my life focusing and chasing after, as a pastor, you're right, the guy who's supposed to get it right, I spend a majority of my time chasing after things that will die with me, that will mean nothing in the scheme of eternity. And what Jesus does is he recalibrates our mind and he says, hey, what good is that? What good is it to chase things that will be meaningless in eternity? And so if trying to earn your way to God through goodness, trying to achieve it on your own is the wrong mentality to look at life, what is the right one? What is the mentality that I should look at life at? How I should approach it? And it's actually the polar opposite of trying to achieve it. It, You get to this place where you live in the mentality that you understand that this has been given to me. When you realize that you don't have the capacity, the might to be good enough to gain God's acceptance. That God doesn't really care how good you are because no matter how much goodness you create here on earth, it will never be enough to measure up to God's standard of perfection. But yet to realize that God who is 
gracious, who is full of mercy, who is generous, gave up his one and only son to die for you, to offer you a free gift that you don't have to earn, that you could never achieve, but it's been given to you freely. And when you recognize that, it transforms your mind, it renews your mind, and when you receive that gift that's been given to you freely, it changes the way you encounter your relationships, it changes the way you trust in that God, it changes the way you're generous with what God has given you in your resources. And people who understand and who live in the mentality that God has given me a free gift that I couldn't earn and didn't deserve, they live life with this perspective. It's that life is short and eternity is forever. You see, I think this is something, a perspective that we often forget in this life of how short it really is. I mean, we're lucky in our society today to live 70 or 80, maybe even 90 years. That's a good life for us. But in the scheme of eternity, in the scheme of forever, it's like a day, an hour gone by. And man, if I ever recognize this truth and this perspective, it's probably right now when I lost somebody that I truly love, my dad. And I'm so grateful that I had an example in a father who didn't live life focused on here and temporary things, but he always had his eye on, on the eternal, on the things that lasted forever. And you know, this past month, man, this hit me hard. Because my mom and I, we had to travel up to my parents' home where they lived for 42 years. Me and my family, we went up with my mom because she was gearing up to sell it, a place that the only place I knew was home. It was my sanctuary and we had to go clean it to get rid of stuff that belonged to my dad. And it was some of the most agonizing and, and hard thing that I ever done. I've never felt so many emotions of sadness and tears and anger and bitterness. And what was amazing as we walked through each closet through the garage and we started throwing away and donating things that a lot of people would deem as valuable, things that were worth something to us, they meant nothing without dad. They were gone, useless. And how often do we forget how short life is and what really truly does matter? And that led me to a question that I had to wrestle with, and I think a question that really is the pinnacle of this series, a question that is twofold and pointed, and I wanna ask you this, I wanna ask you today, is what legacy are you leaving? And where is your legacy headed? I mean, really, like think about that question for a second. What legacy will you leave behind here on this earth? How will people remember you for what you did and what you accomplished in the name of Jesus? And where is your legacy leading you to? Are you focused on what's temporary or what's eternal and what will last forever? This is a huge and important question that we all must answer and, and recognize. But it's also led me to, to make this commitment, and I hope at the end of this series, as we wind down this series, that you and I would, would make this commitment today with our lives, that we would choose 
today as we look towards our future, our past might be messy and, and, and our past might be full of regret, but as we look towards the future, as we look towards where God is leading us, that we would choose today to make a commitment to create lives that matter not only here, but forever. That we would recognize that the time God has given us here on this earth is really precious and that we would make the most of it. That we would make the most of every opportunity that God has given us, that he would work through us to bring the gospel to places that are in desperate need of it. As Christ followers, that we would recognize life is short, it's precious, and we would go after it. We would chase it down and we would allow God to use us here on earth, but we would not forget that this isn't our home that we would not forget and that we would keep our eyes on that day where we get to stand before God and all of eternity and spend it with him. Would you make that commitment today? To look at your life and say, you know, from here on out, I'm gonna make the most of my life right now, but I will not neglect forever. I will live my life with the mentality that I've been given a free gift of grace. And I will not abuse that grace, but I will use it and lead people to it with my eye towards eternity. Because you can make plans all you want. I'm sure some of you have them, a five, a 10 year plan. One of my spiritual gifts is planning. I love to plan. But the truth is, is you never know if you'll ever get to those plans. And if anybody knows that's true right now, it's my mom. February 11th, Drew and Ashley were in Israel and Dennis and I were watching the kids and it was like day nine or so and we put the kids to bed. Dennis and I watched TV. We had gone to bed and we were sitting up talking a little bit and he rolled over and he started to fall asleep. And then I think it was a little bit before midnight, Dad got up. He got up out of bed and he said, I don't feel well. And he went in the living room and he sat in the chair and he and I looked at him and he said rub my shoulders and I noticed dad was sweating so I immediately said how do you feel and he said I've never felt like this ever and then he lay down on the couch and he said can you rub my feet and I said yeah because that always helped dad relax and then he was just resting a little bit so I went in and got my phone and I was getting something and he yelled for me and I came in and he said what are you doing and I said I went to get my phone and then he just crossed his hands and he was really quiet. And then um, all of a sudden his body just lurched up. And um, I knew something. It's what happened to my dad when I was five months pregnant with Barry. So I kind of recognized it a little bit. And um, I had my phone in my hand and I called 911. My dad was making a real uh, guttural sound and I had started CPR. Um, I couldn't get him on the floor because dad was just too heavy for me to move so I did CPR on the couch and I couldn't get air into his mouth because that rattling sound had started and that's kind of when I knew things weren't headed in a good place. The ambulance got there and the people knocked at the door and they came in and um, they wouldn't let me stay out there with, with dad and she said it wasn't a good place to be. The guy came in and he said it's been 40 minutes and he said um, we're gonna work a little longer, he said, but I don't, I don't think, you know, he said, I think he's gone. And honestly, when I heard the, the rattle in his voice, I had heard that in my dad. And I, I, was, I was pretty sure that um, dad was with the Lord already. 
There's so many things that flash through your mind, but the first thing I thought about was that Dad was with a savior, and I, I knew he was, he didn't hurt anymore. He didn't have the pain he had in his legs and his back, and I don't know, I think I just fell on my knees, and I just prayed, and I, I told the Lord, no matter what, he decided to do, it was okay, and that we were gonna use this, you know, to bring honor and glory to him. Before Dennis and I came up to watch Jew kids, I had been reading my Bible, and I, I had been so thankful to the Lord for everything he's done for us. Anything that's ever been wrong has been fixable. There's been surgeries and you know illnesses and kidney problems and or blood diseases, whatever, but God has been so good to us. It's just always been curable. And I had just said to the Lord, someday you're gonna ask me to walk through something hard. And I promised him I would do well. So when this happened, I went back to that time that the Lord and I had talked and, and I said to him, I'm, we're going to do this well and we're going to bring honor and glory. If I can't have dad here, I just hope that we can do this in such a way that maybe touches the lives of people and make them realize that your time's short and you just don't know. You know, dad and I thought, dad always said, if the Lord gives me till 70, you know, we have five more good years and um, we thought we had more time. We did, you know what I mean? But dad had retired a year earlier. And so how blessed was I that Dad decided to retire that year. We had that year at the lake together, and it was good. In all the years of raising kids, we were friends. You know what I mean? We, we enjoyed each other's company, and we, we worked at it. We worked through the hard things, and, and our relationship was based on the Lord. We both have a really deep faith, knowing that there isn't God, anything the Lord's going to put me through that He's not going to carry me through, and that it doesn't matter what the circumstances are that he can use anything in our lives um, to uh, further his cause. And that I didn't want to take that home, but it's okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay, you know what I mean? He, he's held me up, he's brought me through, and even though this situation is probably the hardest thing I've ever done, and it sucks royally, I couldn't do it if I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I couldn't do it if I didn't have the strength that only He gives. I couldn't do it if I didn't have that peace that passes all understanding that's given to me because of my relationship with Jesus. And I wouldn't want any of you to ever have to go through a situation like this without knowing the Lord is your Savior. Because without Him, this situation would be completely unbearable. And that hope that I have in knowing that I will see Dennis is what keeps me going. And I would hope that if you are ever in this situation, that you could have the assurances that I have in my Savior. Don't wait till death knocks on your door a little sooner than you expect. Keep things current. Make sure you have your relationships in order. Love a little more every day. Don't take things for granted because none of us are ever guaranteed tomorrow. You know, something that I constantly remind myself day after day for the last three months is, man, I just keep saying in my head, in my heart, dad's gone. And there's some days that I just don't believe it. I want to wish it's, it's not true, that I'll see him you know, right over there sitting to me preaching. But mom said it best. Life is short. 
And sometimes you don't realize it until you lose somebody you really love and they're gone and they're not coming back. And you realize how precious, valuable life is. And so as we all look at our lives, as we wind down what I believe is a really important question, as we all examine our lives and we ask that question, will my life matter forever? I have really two responses for all of us today. And if you're here today and you're watching and you believe in Jesus and what he accomplished for you, you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you've made him your forgiver and your leader. I would challenge you to live in light of the gospel. And what I mean by that is that maybe today you would recognize how precious of a gift God gave you in the gospel. That free gift that cost him his son so much, but yet he offered to you freely. And when someone gives you a gift that is so special, what do you want to do? You want to thank them for it. You wanna do something in honor for them. And the way you do that for Jesus is you love people with that gospel. You tell people about what God has done in your life. And my prayer is as Christians, we would recognize that time is short, that it's so valuable. And what we do with the life God has given us here on this earth really does matter. It counts. And I wonder if you're wasting it. I wonder if you're so self-absorbed with your feelings and your desires and what you want, you've missed out on what God wants to do through you and in you. Let's, as Christians, recognize what a gift the gospel is. Let's not hoard it, but let's share it with the world through our lives, through our words and through our actions to live in light of the gospel. But you know what, maybe you're here and you're listening and you realize that, man, you haven't received the gift of God's grace. You're here today and you're wondering, man, what is this whole church and God thing about? Maybe you're living in, in the mentality that if you would just be good enough, God would see you, he would notice you, he would recognize you. And can I tell you today, you'll never be good enough. You'll never achieve that standard of perfection that God requires. But the good news is you don't have to because Jesus did it for you. He went to that cross willingly and he died and he rose again to give you a gift, the gift of his grace that covers your sin, that covers all your failures. And what I would challenge you to do today if you've never done it is to receive what's been given freely to you. God offers you something freely that cost him greatly. Where he gave up his one and only son so that you didn't have to be good. You didn't have to achieve it. You couldn't actually, but God paid the penalty that you couldn't pay. And today, maybe you just want to receive God's gift of grace and his gift of love and mercy in your life. And the way you do that is simply by just closing your eyes and bowing your head. If you're a Christ follower right now, here's a chance to live in light of the gospel. 
And I would ask you just to bow your heads as well and pray for those who have not yet accepted the free gift that has changed your life. And so if you're watching today and you wanna place your trust and your faith in Jesus Christ, here's all it is. You just bow your heads, close your eyes and say right now these words, God, I've been trying to earn your favor. God, I've been trying to be good enough. But today I recognize that I'll never achieve that. But yet it's through your son, Jesus, who died for me and gave me the victory through his resurrection that when you see me through his blood that covers my sin, I am made righteous in your eyes. And so God, I'm receiving that gift today. I'm surrendering my life to you and I'm turning away from my sin and I'm choosing to follow you. May your grace and what your son did for me cover me so I don't have to be good enough anymore. And if you said that prayer for the very first time, here's what I would love for you to do is just tell somebody. Man, church, I I want you to hear this. I want want you to hear this really loud and clearly. Ever since we started this COVID online services, something that we we, we didn't plan or we, we, we didn't wanna see, God has used it in amazing ways. Over the course of these weeks, we have seen close to 123 people, 123 names and faces and hearts, parents, children, teenagers say yes to Jesus Christ. And if you did that today, no, you're not alone. And would you just tell us, all you gotta do, pick up your phone and text TRUST to 585-210-8564. And I'm telling you, if no one else celebrates, I'll jump up and down, I'll scream and dance for you because it's the best decision that you can make in your life. And so let us know. I'll send you a Bible, some resources to help guide you of what it looks like to change the mentality of your life, to not have to earn God's approval, but to know it's been given to you freely, to walk in it and revel in it. And so I'm excited for you. Let me pray for all of us as we wind down. God, thank you. Thank you that you use just sucky situations like my dad's death for good. And God, if it was just for one person to know you, I know my dad would have left a long time ago. And so I pray that you used his story and my mom's heart to just hit people right where they are to put their faith and trust in you. God, help us as Christians to to revel in the gift that you have given us. The gospel is so good and yet we take it for granted so often. May we live in light. May it change every nook and cranny of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, again, I wanna thank you for joining us. I I don't think you know how valuable it is that you're taking the time out of your weekend to hang out with us, to hear from us. And man, we wanna know who you are. We wanna build a relationship with you. We don't want this to be a one-sided where you just listen to us, but we wanna actually listen and be there for you. And the easiest way in this season, because we can't hug you, we can't shake your hand, we can't even see you face to face, but through a screen, And so if you would just send us a text message that says connect 
to the number on the screen. It's 585-210-8564. Man, we want to be there for you. And I don't just say that as words from a pastor. Like, we really mean it. And it's a way for us to help you, to pray for you, to be there for you, to provide for your needs, to care for you, or whatever it is that you need. And so don't hesitate. Don't roll your eyes. This is not some other infomercial. This is actually a genuine care for you. If you want to get to know us, just go to northridgerochester.com. You can see some of our staff on there, see our faces, understand who we are and what we believe. Next, week is, next weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Exciting. We're going to have a standalone message. Our campus pastor from Greece, Mark Nelson, is going to be preaching a powerful word for you. We can't wait to see you back next week. We love you guys. Stay safe, and we'll see you next weekend.